Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gun and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's program, how did Peacock up their game? How did HBO Max anger Harry Potter fans? And how did GameStop break Wall Street? Controversy in pop culture is abound. As we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us here at Pop Culture Cosmos, it is truly appreciated. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. You got to follow him on the Twitter and Instagram at Castle with a K, Castle FPV. You got to check out what he's doing today on social media and also for us here at Pop Culture Cosmos. It is Marcus De La Garza and Marcus. Man, a very interesting week in pop culture for altogether different reasons. Absolutely. It's been a wild ride, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. But, you know, I'm looking forward to another great week with you and the PCC family. You know, thank you for uh, keeping us rolling week after week. Absolutely. I do want to thank people for listening to our Monday episode where we covered not only the latest in WandaVision episode three, but also as well, we covered the latest trailer for Godzilla versus Kong. I want to go ahead and thank everybody for doing that because it was one of our biggest episodes of the year. So we truly appreciate you checking us out for that. I also want to go ahead and thank everybody as well for listening to my latest conversation, which was a special PCC Extra, over an hour of goodness talking about the WWE with John Orlando from the PVD cast, where we look at the overall aspects of the company, the direction that they're heading in. And yes, we added in an additional conversation into the mix in regards to the WWE's move to Peacock, which is going to be happening in the not-too-distant future. So we cover what the state of the WWE is on this special PCC Extra. So if you get a chance checking out, it's a little bit over an hour conversation. I really had a fun time recording it and cannot thank John Orlando from the PVD cast enough for being a part of that broadcast. And once again, it's available on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel wherever you get your podcasts. 
We've got a great episode we've got lined up for you today. Again, controversy is abound in pop culture when we're going to be talking HBO Max pondering or maybe I should say conjuring. Okay, yeah. Pottering or possibly conjuring a Harry Potter TV series and the backlash it got when that was reported on. We'll talk about that coming up here in a little bit. Plus, we'll also talk as well, Disney makes a move towards more political correctness and made some changes as far as Disney Plus with some classic children's movies, but also as well made a change to a long-standing ride, or at least they're intending to make some changes. So we'll talk about that coming up later in the program. And Peacock. Peacock for us was when we first started talking about it, Marcus, Josh, and myself, we were kind of laughing it off as an afterthought because they were late to the ball game and they really didn't have much to offer, at least that we were what we were looking at. My have times have changed as we reassess our opinions and our thoughts on Peacock coming up later in the program. And Sam Mitchell from Autism Rocks and Rolls, that podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, plus also as well, autismrocksandrolls.com. He stops by to preview the WWE Royal Rumble as well. But first, my friend, got to talk about it at the head. When you have everyone from the president on down talking about this in government, in the financial area, in news organizations, and you really just are trying to fathom how this can happen, but of all the stocks in the world to be artificially inflated and we'll go into why here in a sec yeah but of all the stocks to be artificially inflated which essentially is what it was gamestop is the one that was just brought up backed by a reddit group a reddit subgroup that basically just got together with a lot of other smaller investors it's a situation where the little guy came out above the the Goliath. David beat Goliath in this situation when it comes to Wall Street as yep. the Goliath, which was a lot of established investment firms were betting and basically what was called short selling, betting on the continued downfall of GameStop, which has happened over the course of 2020. In fact, their, their stock has been as low as $3. Yep. Well, I guess for whatever reason that hit them, and I'm still not sure, they're still kind of hazy on why they picked GameStop of all these companies. But in recent days, there's a subreddit group called Wall Street Bets that got together with a lot of its small investors, got a hashtag, a viral hashtag going to invest in GameStop. And that drove the price up and up and up. And the stock price reached as high as $350 a share. And that meant a lot of money won for smaller investors, maybe like you and I, if we'd have jumped on it. Hey, it actually People, went higher than that. It was up yeah. at like four sixty nine today, I think. Some, you know, really huge amount. And people yeah. are, you know, that are onto it and got onto that train are talking about how they're paying off their student loans with this money and et cetera, et cetera. And for those that were short selling it in the first place, like these large investment companies, they're talking about losing as much as a hundred million dollars. So I want to get a, a better picture. I want to give people who are not as familiar with why this is so out there, why this is so controversial, and this is why this is so important to the financial structure for Wall Street. I want to hear your thoughts, if you can help enlighten this for our listeners out there. 
Yeah, this is a case of nostalgia at its finest. The Redditors behind Wall Street Bets saw what was happening from an institutional standpoint. They saw the short orders coming in against GameStop by the institutional hedge funds. So, you know, the, and I mean, that's one... Merrill, that could be like Merrill Lynch, all the major names that are out or a lot of the major names that are out there. Correct. Yeah. And there is one specific. It was I think it's Melvin Capital. But they're backed by Citadel Financial. And so it, it, it all kind of comes together here. But, you know, what Reddit saw it was... It is Melvin Capital, by the way. Yeah. And what Reddit saw was there were shorts coming in galore. And there was a whole big case of nostalgia that kicked in. And people saw GameStop and saw what was going on with their board of directors. They actually got, I want to say it was the COO from Chewy just jumped over to GameStop, which that's a great move right there. That's a move that will modernize your retail establishment. You know, stop putting as much emphasis on the brick and mortar and, and move it more towards the online platform a la Chewy, which shout out to the, all the dog owners out there that have Chewy because, I mean, you basically just propped up GameStop too because you, you made that man successful and he came over and you know made GameStop successful at the same time. But so a little nostalgia kicked in there and, and these Wall Street Bets Redditors decided they were going to save GameStop by buying it. And I want to say what I've read so far has been it, this might be a $70 billion swing. It lost $153.91 in trading today. It is right now as we speak, which yeah, is but... going to be different tomorrow. Hold on. It's it's $193 a share. But again, this was a share that was trading at $3. And in fact, like you said, these investment companies, these large investment firms were short selling and betting on the company's continued failure because you and I have spoken on the show about how many hundreds of million dollars they've lost over the past few years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and basically the little guy got together and stuck it to the man in this case. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's really what, you know, I was, it's a hard thing to really encapsulate in like a, a two minute statement or a one minute statement. But, you know, I'm, I'm really kind of proud of what's gone on here. You know, the stock price, I think would have been higher today, but Robinhood Financial, who actually runs one of the big stock trading apps for retail yes. investors, people like you and me, suspended trading and only would allow closing, selling off of your positions. And so that really, really, really that market manipulation right there put a big damper on trading today and actually hurt the price overall. So I think if we see trading resume, you know, some normalcy tomorrow, you might see the GME stock rebound, but otherwise we might be looking at maybe the eventual downfall of the cyberbullying that was Wall Street bets. I don't think the, the stock should be very high right now in the first place. I'm going to say that right now because this is not, I mean, people it's not have based, to be, it's, not, it's not based on bad data, right? Like the, the, it's we, not based people, on the actual company's performance. That's the problem. It's not based it's on, based the, on future performance. That's, that's the thing is they just yeah. brought this, this C-suite level person over from Chewy and the act of modernizing. And I think it was their most recent earnings statement. They talked about modernizing and moving more towards that online platform. But and if it, that's the case, you know, like that makes you successful in a COVID economy. The stock should not rise 800% because of it. I mean, it should not rise from $3 to 350 to what you were talking about at one time, yeah. $450. It shouldn't be artificially inflated like that either. I'm, no, I'm, glad the, I'm glad the little guy got in on this. I'm glad the little guy, they got together as a subreddit group and they got together and told each other to go ahead and invest in this. And it drove it up and up and up and up. And now they're into AMC, by the way. There's a hashtag buy AMC. So they're now they're and getting Blackberry into AMC. Yeah. yeah, and BlackBerry and, and all these other nostalgic stocks. But I think the problem is, and like you said, that's great that the executive from Chewy yeah. has now moved over to GameStop. But does this really help 
this this artificially inflating of the stock does this really help GameStop itself? It's not helping GameStop, in my opinion. It all it does is it's helping the individuals that were able to go ahead and take advantage of this. And the reason why everybody is looking into it, from news organizations to government officials to the president himself, is keeping an eye on it, is because of this artificial inflation of the stock price is kind of a manipulation. And at some point in time, the government may go ahead and throw the kibosh on that and say, you know what, we're going to go ahead and throw some regulation behind it so that it's not done to that extreme in the future going forward. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the only thing I would, I would tag onto that is, you know, looking at what happened today with Robinhood suspending trading on GME and a few other positions. What was it? Bed Bath & Beyond, BlackBerry, and then AMC, I think were the four. Uh, just to me, it just doesn't help the actual company unless you no, actually, no, it, it, yeah, unless, you're, I, unless you and I were on the, the, the board or we're, we're managers at a store or whatnot. And we have some stock yeah, no. and all of a sudden we look at the paper or all of a sudden we look at it. Oh, yeah, it just rose up 300,000 percent. That's awesome. You know, that's great for your personal finance. And I'm very happy for everyone who took advantage of this because it's very legal under current circumstances with Wall Street. But again, as it help the actual company and all the the thousands of of employees does this help them i'm not sure if it helps them as a company because right now everybody's talking about gamestop but for all the wrong reasons yeah i think at the end of the day what we really need to be concerned with is you know when this big pump is over with we need to make sure the stock returns back down to that 42 43 dollar threshold you know right where it was at so that nobody's jobs well, are actually was, well it was actually below 20 Okay. Earlier yeah, I, I, I was going to say five days ago, I think we were at 42 and that's where people have been really citing. But yeah, if we can get back down to that 42, 23, whatever it is, dollar threshold and return back to normalcy without really doing any further damage, people keep their jobs. People get to keep working at GameStop. So let's make sure that, you know, on the, on the return down, we don't end up costing people jobs in our pursuit of financial bliss. I'll tell you what, it, it's just something that I, I'm again, I'm happy for the little guy and I don't want to come off being the I'm going to support the big guy or anything like that, because, you know, if you and I would have gotten wind of it and had money to spend on it, I would have done it. I would have invested into it and I would have taken advantage of it because it's legal and it was something to, cool to be a part of, I'm sure, for a lot of these other people. And, you know, they would have been great to pay off my college loan for that. But yeah. I, I want to say this again, it's an artificial inflating of the actual price. And it does not help the actual company evolve. Like everybody that's going around with AMC, does that really help the AMC theater chain? No, it doesn't help the AMC theater chain. You know what would help in the AMC theater chain right now? Getting people to go back to the theaters. That will help yeah. the AMC theater chain ultimately. And same thing with, with GameStop is people going ahead and investing in GameStop, either at a brick and mortar or like you said, with, with the executor of Chewy coming over, maybe focusing on them becoming major player on the online format, but I don't know how they're going to do that because with Amazon, Walmart, and so many other outlets already there. And the fact that PlayStation, Xbox, you can literally buy it from their stores and the Nintendo eShop as well. I don't know how GameStop is going to be able to go ahead and put a dent in and actually realistically become a major player in the video game marketplace once again. I think that their position in the video game marketplace might be gone, but they have to become a steward of everything that is tech, right? And I think that's really where their position is heading towards of, hey, if you need it, we've got it if it pertains to tech. And that might even just be t-shirts, right? You know, whatever it is. And that's and that's something that GameStop's already doing. 
They've got personal peril in stores now. They've got, you know, because they bought, they bought into ThinkGeek. They bought out ThinkGeek and they now use that as like a sub company. And they actually kind of melded that and got rid of ThinkGeek to the point where it's barely even mentioned. And now they're essentially the, all the pop culture stuff you're buying through GameStop in the first place. Which, I mean, I, I'm okay with that. You know, that's that's classic capitalism right there. You buy a business, absorb them in, and their brand becomes your brand, that kind of thing. But yeah, I, I think we're, we're at this really interesting pinnacle for the story arc that is GameStop. And it can either go way up from here or it's going to crash and burn when the pump decides to stop on their stock. I'll tell you what, everybody, it's something that people need to be looking at, not necessarily for you fans out there of pop culture because it's GameStop, but you need to take a look at it because it's a trending way for people as of now to go ahead and artificially inflate or make an impact when they're not the huge investment firms or hedge fund companies or anything of that nature. It's a way now that the little guy can go ahead and stake their claim on Wall Street. For how much longer? I don't know. And that's the bigger question. Again, I think at some point in time, the government may look into this because this thing right now, this thing with GameStop and now with AMC, BlackBerry, and it's just going to go on and on and on because this Wall Street bets, this Reddit subgroup or another similar to it will go ahead and influence something else and something else until something is done with it by Wall Street. Because it, yeah. in, in the end, yes, it's helping the little guy out from time to time. But after a while, people are going to catch on. And anybody out there that wants to catch on right now, you're setting yourself up for either a very big win or a very big downfall. And I think that's the thing that we need to, you know, as we end the segment, I think we need to talk about at the end of it is that if you go into it, you're doing so at your own risk. Yeah, absolutely. Always make sure that if you're entering the market to, you know, play this the stock gamble and it is gamble, right? You know, mm -hmm. What you're doing is you're sitting at the VIP table when it comes to gambling. So make sure that if you're entering this market and you're trying to buy stock for a GME, you're doing so with money that you're uh, able to lose. You're not overextending yourself. You're not overextending your family. You're doing this responsibly. You know, So it might be too late for you to jump in on the GME, the GameStop stock pop, but you know, it's, it's one of those things that I think that if you hang around long enough and see where Wall Street Bets is heading, you're going to grab the next one up. Absolutely. And it's going to be something where you need to do a lot of research, see exactly what's going on. If you're going to jump on it before the laws or regulations change, that's up to you. But again, do it with smart money that you have that's expendable, just right. like a gambling, just like with anything relating to, to that type of volatility. I mean, people are putting their student loan money and other fund money in there that they shouldn't really be putting in there because the Risk and rewards are just too great. People, just be smart. Be smart, please. Be smart indeed. What are your thoughts out there on GameStop? Upending Wall Street, along with Wall Street Bets and the subreddit, how it changed the marketplace for and how we think and react to Wall Street and stocks and when they go up and down and the buying in and selling out and short selling and all this stuff like that that's going on with GameStop. What are your thoughts on GameStop upending Wall Street? Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. For the latest news and information, analysis, and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, 
Check out the Lakers Fast Break Podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. Well, my friend, there's so much more to talk about on today's program. There was actually a story that was printed earlier this week in Variety that HBO Max is pondering a Harry Potter television series, which for me should have been a natural a long time ago. I mean, Amazon's already well into production on the Lord of the Ring television series. HBO Max has this property of Harry Potter. And Harry Potter has been something like, okay, it's there. It's made us a ton of money. And at Warner Brothers, we just want to go ahead and make more ton of money. And now, because of what a certain individual said that created this whole thing in the first place with J.K. Rowling, because of her comments in recent times, now you see Warner Brothers treading very lightly on the subject. And, he, and, it's, and what a natural fit as far as Harry Potter, the Fantastic Beasts, and Harry Potter video games – when Harry Potter video game was announced recently, a lot of people were having a backlash over that because of the comments of J.K. Rowling. And even more so when this was happened as far as a possible announcement in the future for a Harry Potter TV series, the internet took sides. Social media took mm-hmm. sides because of what J.K. Rowling said versus the love that people have for Harry Potter. So I'm going to put you on the spot, my friend. I'm going to put you on the fence. Which side of the fence you're falling on when it concerns a possible Harry Potter TV series? I'm on the fence of leave it alone. You know, it's uh, one of those things that I think that this is this would have been a great TV show 10 years ago. You know, give it to us uh, right after the end of the movies. And I guess the end of the movies weren't 10, 10 years ago. Well, you don't see them if it's been talking about maybe a prequel or maybe Harry Potter is old. For me, I would love to see, and I'm not a Harry Potter fan per se. I go with my family to universal studios i go and experience the harry potter rides and that's kind of cool and whatnot but and right. i and i have seen all the harry potter films or tried to see them and try to sit through them is probably <laughs> stewards of pop culture you know we, yeah. we try to watch all these films yeah even the stuff you're not exactly <laughs> totally in love with and i've yeah. seen it it's got some magical things going on with it pardon the pun but i wanted to ask you this because harry potter i mean there to me harry potter coming back as a you know a soccer dad and being able to go ahead and get out of the van and at an older age trying to save the galaxy and save the world once again, a galaxy, but save the universe of Harry Potter once again and and all that coming out from retirement and, you know, Hermione and all that coming out from retirement and saving the world once again for muggles everywhere and all that. Right. That would be a kind of a cool concept for me as a series or a continuance of movies. Fantastic Beasts, especially after what happened with the last one. That's not fun for me, and that's not enjoyable, and I don't look forward to them continuing the rest of the five that they were supposed to go ahead and do. You know, since we talked about Game of Thrones last week, a prequel of Harry Potter could be something very interesting. But right now, Warner Brothers, because of the comments that J.K. Rowling made, have to tread very lightly now because of it. Yeah, and they they do. I, I agree with that statement, but it's just one of those things that I was a little disappointed in the fact that we were even going to consider this, right? You know, it's it's one of those things that I think that given enough time, maybe you could have come back to this in another two or three years. But I just don't think the climate's right right now for this one. I, I don't appreciate, you know, the fact that we're going to throw this into a TV series. And that's somebody who came up loving this entire franchise, you know, whether it would be the books or the movies. 
I think that we're rushing into this TV series and we're trying to force something and we're going to end up forcing something that's not going to be great. That's well, not gonna... I mean, but but then again, you're you're running HBO Max, man. You've only got a limited number of existing properties that people absolutely love. And the I, Harry Potter I, films I, made you uh, a ton of cashola. Yeah, but they didn't translate, right? Like you look at Fantastic Beasts, that didn't translate. They didn't make nearly the amount of money off of it that they should have. Because it wasn't very good. Well, how different is that from Star Wars, though? Oh, I think it's just before the Mandalorian. I think it's how how? Star Wars. You've had declining returns as far as the movies are concerned. The Last Jedi had already come out. You've got that. You've got forty years worth of historical data there, though, or thirty-five years. Again, you've got fifteen worth with with Harry Potter. I, mean, I don't think how, 15 is enough to overcome the uh, the deficit that Star Wars already had running into the sequels, right? And like, I know you don't, and I know George Lucas never said any controversial comments that were really abhorrent and really disgusting in its very nature. But I'm just going to say that you know, I mean, there's there's still a huge fervent fan base for the Harry Potter franchise. Yeah, I mean, it just just to ignore it, it's just sitting there. It's just there, and you're looking at it, and the Fantastic Beast has fallen flat, but Everybody sees the success of The Mandalorian and how it's revived the Star Wars franchise. And you cannot tell me that something that was in declining returns because The Rise of Skywalker earned half of The Force Awakens. And you also had Solo, which was a bomb theatrically. Star Wars was looking really face first into a tailspin that they could never get themselves out of until The Mandalorian. Flash forward a year later. And now you have one of the brightest franchises out there because of what's gone on with the Mandalorian. That could be something that the Harry Potter franchise could lean on is if they do a TV show, a prequel or something within the Harry Potter universe, that's not Harry Potter himself related, or even is Harry Potter himself related. Because I mean, if they had the original stars that may revive it, but if they had a great idea for a TV series that could revive the whole franchise and move it past all these individual comments that JK Rowling made. I get the fact that social media can't get over the fact that she would prosper from it. But then again, Harry Potter is just something that if it's done right, you shouldn't leave it alone. Yeah. And I should probably preface my position with the fact that I'm not here on some cancel culture trip. You know, I'm I'm here because I'm just a fan of the franchise and I'm not saying I disagree or agree with anything she said. I'm, I, I don't even take J.K. Rowling's position as anything anymore, you know? Well, I disagree sure. with everything she said on those well, issues. Yes, I, I disagree with that. But, I mean, like, I'm not try- here trying to say I agree or, with her or do any of that. I'm just trying to say that, you know, at this point in time, that I just don't think that we're in a really great spot to continue rolling with this Harry Potter TV show. You know, it's one of those things that I think J.K. Rowling... She was brilliant for what she did and what she's done with this entire franchise. You know, and and like I said, I'm not here on some cancel culture trip, but I mean, she's kind of got to pay a price for what she said and what she said was highly offensive. And so I think the people that really embraced her at that time or at that age group now where ethics plays a huge part. And so you'll see that people are going to make an ethical choice, maybe not to watch this TV show. And that's where I think if you push out two or three more years, you will have a better viewer base and you just have to suck up the loss. That is not having this IP out and ready to go tomorrow. I I could probably agree with you on that. Maybe. Well, the fact is, even if you tried to go ahead and start a production today, let's say you had this great pitch for me and I said, let's run with it. Yeah. It still wouldn't be till 2023. 
at the earliest before you could actually ever see anything on screen. Yeah, but you got to keep it under wraps, though. I mean, if you, as soon as you talk about it, people are going to put a label on it like, mm, pshum, like yeah, we don't that's watch true. It, you know? Yeah, you got to keep it under wraps until 2023 and then come out and say, oh, by the way, we've been doing this Harry Potter TV show. Yeah, you can't do that, but you can't yeah. do that now these days. Everybody knows yeah. everything seemingly but enough. But I, I'm just going to say this. It just at some point in time, I think, even though I am not a ardent Harry Potter fan, I do think that it's a franchise that has a wealth of opportunities. And you don't have to have J.K. Rowling's input or involvement in it. I mean, in fact, when the video game was announced as far as, I think about a month or two ago, that the video game was announced as far as Harry Potter and as far as having a, a great video game experience announced, Warner Brothers Games specifically stated that J.K. Rowling would not have any involvement in it as far as the video game is concerned, and base it off of existing stuff that's already been written. I think people still will have issues, and will always have issues if anything's done under the Harry Potter umbrella because she will profit from it, and her or her estate will profit from it from you know, many years down the line, 10, 20, 30 years down the line. That's, that's what that's, I'm telling you. If you give her two years, she'll just be back burner news, and you know, it, people won't care anymore. There will still always be people that will care yes that okay. she the majority of people just won't care anymore they won't remember yeah. what happened you know and I, that's not saying that they should remember what happened i'm just saying people are people and they're gonna forget that this happened and you know two years from now hbo max would be in a better place to start this franchise <sighs> i agree with you my friend i agree with you <laughs> i know my oh, oh, oh as he knocked over his microphone yeah I, I'll tell you what, it's going to be very interesting to see if they do a Harry Potter TV series, if there's going to be continued backlash from it. And I think I'm going to be in agreement with Marcus that maybe waiting on this until some of this dies down a little bit is probably the best move. But you have this tremendous IP that's garnered you a ton of money. And despite what the Fantastic Beasts series of movies is doing financially, I think that eventually returning to the world of Harry Potter should be a possibility. It just depends on if the Harry Potter fan base will support it. And if they do, all power to you. You know, eventually the uh, Harry Potter fan base is going to say an Alohomora and open up this entire case. And, you know, we'll be back at the TV show eventually. But until they do. Until they a, do, my friend. Yeah. Absolutely. What are your thoughts out there on Harry Potter possibly coming back as a TV series? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Do you support the fact that HBO Max is looking into some realm of the Harry Potter universe in the form of a television series? We want to hear your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, coming up next after the break, it is Sam Mitchell from autismrocksandrolls.com and the Autism Rocks and Rolls podcast, wherever you get your podcast. He's coming back to preview the Royal Rumble this weekend. He's coming up after the break. This is the PCC Multiverse. Video game box art, the stories behind the covers, in which we talk to the illustrators and artists who are responsible for gaming's most iconic images. Don't forget to check out Video Game Box Art, the stories behind the covers, celebrating gaming's most iconic images from the people who created them. This and many more from Rob McCallum Films. We're back once again with the Pop Culture Cosmos. Truly appreciate everyone out there watching and listening. It's the Royal Rumble. It's happening this weekend. And I've got an awesome guest once again to join us for this type of pro wrestling coverage. And there's no one better to do it out there than a man from the awesome Autism Rocks and Rolls podcast. 
It is Sam Mitchell. And Sam, always great to have you back on the program. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm glad you're doing well. I know we talked about that earlier. And glad to be back. Really happy to be back. Uh, Well, it's great to have you back. I told you. I told you. If I remember, old man now, he's got to remember. But if I remember, (laughs) my word's my bond. So I'm glad I got you back on the program to talk Royal Rumble. It is this Sunday. Royal Rumble starts WrestleMania season. This great time for wrestling fans. But first off, I want to go ahead and hear your thoughts on the card itself. We'll start off with the main event with Roman Reigns. He's going to go ahead and head off against Kevin Owens for that title. I'm going to call it the SmackDown title. I know you, there's it's another Universal Championship, and you got the WWE Championship, and you got that and that for depending on the day of the week it's shown on television. But let's call it the SmackDown title for now. Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns. Your thoughts on this matchup? I think it will be good, like TLC was. But I think Roman Reigns will win because he's going to be a universal champion for a good long while. I can, I think that he's pushing that. I think they're going to stick with Roman Reigns for now, heading into WrestleMania, hoping upon all hopes that they could have a Roman Reigns versus The Rock matchup. I'm not sure if that's going to be the case. You're going to have to ask The Rock. Now I read it online. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, he I know he's an extremely, extremely busy individual, and I would say the odds and likelihood of that happening are still slim to none. But, you know, we're going to hold out hope that that kind of matchup exists still. But I agree with you. I think Roman Reigns heading into WrestleMania will still be the champion. The other matchup, as far as for another, I don't know, world title, world championship, you know, company championship, whatever you want to call it, is the Raw Championship. And that is going to be Drew McIntyre versus Goldberg. And it is 2021. And guess who's back? It is Goldberg. And yeah, Oldberg indeed. Who's next? Him, his Walker, or or Kane, or Drew McIntyre? You know, which one is going to be the case? But it is Drew McIntyre versus Goldberg as far as for that title is concerned. What are your thoughts on this match? Again, this is not something I want to see. I know it sounds like already something you and uh, quite a bit of fans out there don't want to see. I don't want to see, but I'm hoping Drew kicks his. You know what? I agree with you. Drew McIntyre is going to go over because the thrill and nostalgia of Goldberg has come and gone. Also on the match itself is the the marquee main event, the Royal Rumble itself for both men and women. I mean, for me, this is always something that I like to see. I mean, wrestlers that you don't think get the spotlight enough sometimes will actually get the spotlight, get a chance to go out there and perform. Even if they don't win, will get a chance to go ahead and get that bigger push. But who are your leading candidates to go ahead and come out on top or look very good in the process? So for me, I have to say Keith Lee, Matt Riddle, Big E, The Fiend. I think Brock might return. And Daniel Bryan. Okay. But there is also the Women's Royal Rumble, and I am also intrigued by this one as well. Some people have shouted out Rhea Ripley. I'm still going by the standard favorite for me, Charlotte Flair. I mean, she is one of the top individuals as far as from a women's side, as far as that they promote and that they push. What are your thoughts on the Women's Royal Rumble? For me, the winner, I think, is going to be Alexa Bliss. That's a good possibility. She's getting a major push with this Harley Quinn-like character. Again, I see Rhea Ripley as possibly a dark horse in this race. And then also as well, Bianca Belair is also me, someone that's gotten a a pretty good push over the past few weeks. 
with her working with Bailey in a program. So I want to see if, if they'll go ahead and go all the way with her. Or if, again, they'll go tried and true with Charlotte Flair. Speaking of Charlotte Flair, she is working double duty on the card because she is working with Asuka as tag team champions. They're going against the former champions, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. Tell me your thoughts on this matchup coming up this weekend. It could go either way. It could be bad. It could be good. We'll just see what WWE produces with that one. I mean, this is a matchup with the individuals that they wanted from, so... I'm curious to see if they'll just go ahead and have the titles back without really giving the Charlotte Flair, Asuka tag team any time to really mature as a tag team. If they change them back without really a story reason why, then there's just something behind the scenes going on. Maybe they want to go ahead and move those two in a different direction, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm trying to figure out what their motives are for this. But again, it's Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax versus Charlotte Flair and Asuka for the women's tag team championships. I'm still at this point in time going to go with the champions. But again, if there if there's a storyline in there that I'm not aware of, it will become evident on Sunday. And last but certainly not least, Sasha Banks versus Carmella for the SmackDown Women's Championship. She's got a lot going for her right now. Obviously, her her rub off from the Mandalorian and her time there has gotten a lot of her a lot of notoriety. She's pretty much given the, the big push right now for any of the women out there. I guess this is going to be a blow-off match between her and Carmella. What are your thoughts on Sasha Banks versus Carmella for the SmackDown Women's Championship? But in my eyes, when you put those two together, Sasha is the better one. Yeah, I, I think right now, I mean, Carmella has had that championship before. But I think right now, there's just no way that they're going to take the title off of Sasha Banks again. They need the, to find her yeah, the rub off from the Mandalorian and the fact that she right now has a lot going for, her, I think, proves that she is going to be the, I guess, the chosen individual right now for the women's title, at least going forward, at least on the SmackDown side. But I think she right now, as far as if there's a number one woman in the company right now, I think it's going to be Sasha Banks. The company has been overflowing with its compliments towards her and its video coverage of her. So I, I think right now that there's no stopping her. And I think she and Roman Reigns are probably the biggest favorites to keep their titles all the way through WrestleMania. I can see Sasha keeping theirs for a while. I think Roman's keeping theirs for a while. I agree with you. They're going to keep them for a long time on SmackDown as champions for both of them. I think that's it right now. Like I said, it is Drew McIntyre versus Goldberg for the WWE Championship. We both have Drew McIntyre. Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens. Last man standing match for the WWE Universal Championship. We both got Roman Reigns. Sasha Banks versus Carmella for the SmackDown Women's Championship. So we both got Sasha Banks. Asuka and Charlotte Flair versus Nia Jax. And Shayna Baszler for the WWE Women's Tag Team Titles. We both think that Asuka and Charlotte Flair are going to pull it out, but it's kind of more iffy-iffy on that, depending on exactly what they have planned for both Asuka and Charlotte Flair. But again, I want to go ahead and ask you real quick, if you had to pick one, absolutely one individual each for the women's and men's Royal Rumble match, who would you pick? Alexa Bliss and Keith Lee. That's what I'm going to go with. Alexa Bliss and Keith Lee, again, Alexa Bliss doing the Harley Quinn gimmick that is having her giving a big push on Raw, and especially her working with Randy Orton. You know, you've changed my mind. I think she is, is going to be the slight favorite over Charlotte Flair. I think on the men's side, 
I'm going to probably have to say Randy Orton. I don't know why. And I, I just, I mean, again, you know, I understand he's held in high regards with, within the hallmarks of the company. I understand that, that a lot of people like myself are not really enthused by him because I don't think he exudes very much as far as the uh, charisma category, or he never has. I think right now that the men's side is so lackluster with anybody that could be coming out with a top star that they'll default back to someone like Randy Orton. Or you're right with Daniel Bryan on that. I know you mentioned him earlier, but I, I think right now I'm, I'm shooting for Randy Orton and Alexa Bliss. But that's it right now, unless they announce anything else. Again, they could announce an Oscar title match. They could announce other matches on the show as far as to open it up. But right now, that's what we have for the Royal Rumble. Before we head on out, my friend, I wanted to ask you this. I wanted to know if you would go ahead and tell everybody about your awesome show, Autism Rocks and Rolls. Yeah, sure. So it's about autism, how we cope with daily struggles that you may or may not understand. And you can find it on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. LinkedIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. And I also have a website, which is autismrocksandrolls.com. No better plug than that, my friend. I'll tell you what, Sam, it's always great to have you on the show. Again, check out his awesome show, Autism Rocks and Rolls, where you get your podcast. I truly appreciate you being on the show and on the program today. I'm looking forward to having you back on to talk more pro wrestling. And I'm looking forward to having you back on right here at the PCC Multiverse. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. And we're back with the PC Multiverse. Want to thank so much Sam Mitchell for joining us on today's program. But before we head on out, my friend, there's still quite a bit more to talk about when it concerns what's going on with controversy and pop culture. I know you mentioned cancel culture. And... I understand we don't want to go too much into that because we like to go ahead and just stay out of the political, political or yeah, yeah. Yeah. But in this age of political correctness, I mean, it's not surprising to see Disney taking more steps to go ahead and change existing things that have been around for years and make it more palatable or make it more acceptable to a wider range of individuals, which if you're running Disney, that's what you should do is yep. make it more entertaining and acceptable and more approachable to a wider range of individuals. I know there's some, been some pushback again, similar to what we saw with Harry Potter, but we'll start off with at Disney world and Disneyland, the jungle cruise, which has been a famous ride. And in fact, it's been turned into a movie that's coming out supposedly sometime this year. Although I'm sure that's up for debate if that happens, but Again, the Jungle Cruise has been a very popular ride for so many years for a lot of individuals, but it is being reformatted and retrofitted to be more acceptable, again, to a wider range of audiences because of calls for the ride that has racist ties and things of that nature, uh, that it be retrofitted and fixed to go ahead and, again, be more approachable to a wider range of individuals. And I don't see an issue with that. I don't see a problem with that. I think as we grow and 
become more adept as a culture, we should be more willing to go ahead and be more approachable and and mm -hmm. try to go ahead and say, you know what, this is right, this is wrong, instead of just saying, hey, this is the way it's always been. So I'm interested in seeing what's going to be done in regards to that. I also want to go ahead and mention that Disney Plus is going to be reformatting some movies, some longstanding classic movies, and they're pulling it from Disney Plus kids profiles, still making it approachable for adults, but they're going to go ahead and, and make sure that people know that there are certain movies like, for instance, Dumbo, there's other movies like Peter Pan, Aristocrats, Lady and the Tramp, The Swiss Family Robinson, The Jungle Book that a lot of these movies are going to be blocked from kids' profiles because they perpetuate negative stereotypes, which were once acceptable way back when. So I want to hear your thoughts, my friend, on this move by Disney Plus to go ahead and reformat and change the way we look at classic rides and movies. Yeah, this is a really interesting spot for Disney to be in right now. And I commend them for what they're doing. You know, with the ride, that's a huge step. The Jungle Cruise ride has a few animatronic displays that were insensitive, to just put it frankly, you know. And so I'm really excited to see that they're actually taking the steps to make themselves, you know, just modernize the ride and make it to where it's it's palatable, you know, and it's not to say that we need to cancel it, you know, like we've kind of talked about with other things, you know, and they're just, not getting rid of it and you'll still no, see not, the backside yeah. of water. Yeah. But yeah, it, I mean, yeah. you're going to go ahead and make it again, more palatable to a wider audience and make it more acceptable. And again, get rid of those stereotypes and also stuff that could be very incendiary and it can perpetuate negative stereotypes. And I think that's a good thing because people want to go there to be happy. It's supposed to be the yeah. happiest place on earth. And when you're going there and you see some of these things that are still there after so many years, it doesn't make you happy. And that's defeating the purpose of going to a Disneyland or Disney World. Well, and I would argue at Disney World, right across from the Jungle Cruise, you got to look at the Tiki Room, right? Like that's another experience that is on the border there of being racist. And, and, yeah. and you know, it's I, I don't want to jump too far down into that one, but it's it's definitely Splash Mountain, which I absolutely love. They did reformat that one, though. though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. not the last time I was there yet, but they I guess I think they did. They were going in the process of doing it shortly thereafter. Yeah. And I do have to say that's uh, I'll admit that that was one of my favorite rides. I had no clue that it was tied to a, uh, a movie that had as many racist overtones and undertones as it did. Right. Like I just had no clue until about two years ago. You know, now that I'm, I'm aware of it, you know, it's it's hard for me to appreciate Splash Mountain. And so I, I, I am appreciative of the fact that, you know, that they've taken the steps to rework the ride and, and, and make it so that it's not as direct or not direct at all in relation to the Song of the South movie. And looking at what Disney Plus is doing with the kids' profiles, I'm of the same mindset. Hey, these are kids that don't understand that these representations are not accurate and they're highly, highly, highly insensitive. You know, and so I appreciate what they're doing and pulling out, you know, the, the white actors playing Asian characters in Aristocats. You know, that that's something in my mind that really stuck out. And so when I read that, it was just like, oh, wow, they, they did go after some of these movies that actually had some really, really racial overtones. Man, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to see how they keep progressing this program. I think this is one of those things that, you know, as they keep developing and keep adjusting their IP as long as there's a disclaimer put in front of it that this isn't the original movie that we've uh, modified it, I'm okay with that. 
you know, and and I, I want people to know that, hey, this isn't the original format of the movie. We've had to rework it slightly to make sure that it's keeping up with, you know, modern morals and ethics. But just because of that, just know that, you know, we, we've kept it and we've found a way to do it. And, you know, if you want to watch the original version, you can do so here. But know that it's very, very, very offensive. There is also a pushback against as far as getting rid of this altogether or modifying it so they, that people don't see the original version, because even these different ethnic groups, there are individuals within those ethnic groups saying, you know what, leave it in so people can judge it, but make sure you let people know up front. And so I'm, I, I agree with you. Give people the choice, either the version that doesn't have it in it at all, that's been modified, but also a version that's the original version, the way it was potentially shown. But make sure you let them know that this has this offensive material and understand in the context of what time frame it was put in or made in like for instance gone with the wind you know yep. i know it's not yep. a disney property but i think it's an mgm property if, if memory serves but it is you yeah. know b- before we go ahead and see that put the you know if you, you there's it really would be hard to edit it you, no not you know, at all so, yeah, yeah you, you, so it, you have to leave it up basically in its original version but make sure you let people know who have never seen the film that it hey it touches on these subjects it can be offensive. Please know that it was done under, done under this time frame, but it can be very offensive before you watch it. So that it's giving those two parameters. But for these movies of, that, like you said, are, that have been taken off the Disney kids profile, that at least people yeah. know that, hey, an adult has to show it to you. Adult has to allow you and give you approval to watch it. But you also have to read the, and understand that they've been modified or if they're shown the original format, that they have a lot of these offensive features at the original time of production that were made that are no longer acceptable by today's standards. I think we need to have some sort of unified standard here when it comes to addressing these older TV shows or movies. You know, we need to have some sort of unified standard when it comes to marking them prior to showing them to viewers, right? You know, whether it's a one minute unskippable screen that says, hey, this is what goes on this in this movie. Here's how it's been modified. Or, hey, here's what goes on in this movie. Please expect it. We're going to show you the original run of it. But we need some sort of unified standard where people are properly notified at the beginning of the movie. And from there on, people can make their own choice. And that, that's truly something that I, I really believe in. Every person should be free to make their own choice. And that includes something of watching a modified or an original version of something like, like this. What are your thoughts out there on Disney modifying some of its past and making it more for today's culture and going forward? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, before we head on out, my friend, I want to go ahead and hit you up on Peacock because Peacock, which was once a entity that coming into the streaming marketplace that seemed to be behind the eight ball with not a lot to go for it, suddenly a lot of things have changed since the beginning of the year. I know we talked a little bit briefly about The Office heading over all the episodes and some bonus content, which was never shown on Netflix. That heads over and now is part of Peacock. You have NBC Sports Network shutting down by the end of this year. And a lot of that content is coming the way to the Peacock. And the biggest news this week was that the WWE, they signed a five-year contract with Peacock to move the WWE network for five years and for a billion dollars for us viewers to be moving over to Peacock. And that's going to be now a main part of Peacock as well. 
So I want to hear your thoughts on your reevaluation of Peacock. They recently reported NBC Universal that they have between their free and their two paid tiers, approximately 33 million subscribers at this point. And that is, again, with the free and the two paid tiers involved. So I want to hear your thoughts on Peacock. And my mind's changed on Peacock now becoming a major player in the ballgame because I think they can become a major player in the streaming marketplace. Let's look at what happened a month before the new Xboxes came out. What did Microsoft do? They started buying gaming studios. And I feel like that's kind of what happened here is Peacock has gone out and started to buy IP. You know, whether it's the WWE or we're starting to make the Olympics exclusive on the Peacock app, what we're doing is forcing people's hands. For me, I can draw some parallels there to the gaming world in general. You start to look at it. What Peacock is and NBC Universal is doing is forcing people's hands. You want to watch the content you want to watch and you want to watch it on demand, whether it's the WWE, the Olympics or NBC Sportsnet content, you're going to have to come to Peacock. And that's fine. I understand that. That's a great play. You know, it's it's one of those things that I didn't expect to see out of them. And I'm I'm happy it is. The problem is, how do you balance all of your subscriptions, right? God, what is it? Subscription saturation, I think, is the term for it. Or the Well, it's just becoming cable TV all over again. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, I'm paying for YouTube TV, right? That's, what, 60, 65 bucks a month. After YouTube TV, I'm also paying for Hulu and Amazon Prime, which, I mean, Amazon Prime, I'm getting for really the free shipping, but I'm also getting the TV on top of that. Netflix on top of that as well. And then some Apple TV content. I, I mean, my TV bill is... Uh, back where it was prior to us so going much for to... cutting the cord huh yeah you know now that we're out of football season i think i need to cancel my youtube tv and just you know live off the fact that hulu can supplement everything else for a lot of people out there it's no different at all i mean everybody was jumping off the ship and cutting their cord and thinking they're going to save this ton of money tune in two three years later and they're spending almost the same amount if not more because they have to have something they see on disney plus they have to have something they see on apple plus they have to have something they see on Netflix, on yep. Hulu, on HBO Max. And they're going to go back and forth. Maybe they're going to try and do the cancel, subscribe, cancel, subscribe. But some people just forget and they're paying for it all. And then they realize their bill of all these subscriptions are just the same as what they were paying before they decided to cut the cord. So yeah, I'm back to very- $150 a month, man. This is terrible. Yeah. And I, I, I like, I'm at that point now where I wouldn't even have HBO max if I hadn't just switched carriers. You know, I, I switch over to AT&T and because AT&T has got a hand in HBO, I got that for free. Great. Yeah. You know, but I wouldn't have paid for it outright, you know, and, and just and like was- if you get Comcast, you'll get Peacock for free. Oh, yeah. Don't even talk to me about that. It, it's, it's one of those things that I hated Comcast Xfinity w- when I had it. And I wish I didn't have it, you know, at that time. And I still wish I didn't have it. But at the same time, I would take Peacock for free right now. And I think that's a huge statement in and of itself. You know, the fact that I would be willing to take it for free but not pay for it is indicative of where they're at with their IP, with their programming, with everything. You know, at this point, you know, they really sweetened the the pot for me this week with the WWE stuff, you know, really doubling down on the Olympics. But I got to start cutting other streaming options at this point. And I'm not happy about that. Well, the only saving grace for that is that Peacock has the three tiers. Now, depending on what they put on these three tiers is in question, and you won't get the full thing unless you go ahead and actually start paying for it because they have a free tier, which is nice and appreciated, but it's really not going to get you a whole lot as far as comparatively what the rest of Peacock has. The $4.99 a month for U.S. subscribers of Peacock with ads 
I think is a, a pretty good value right now. I strongly recommend that as one of the top values in streaming. So that's that's to me right now, my opinion from what I see as far as what they offer for what the relative value is. And it, I wasn't going to say that was the case until they got the office, until they got NBC Sports Network, until they got the WWE Network. Once they got those three entities in there and mixed in, the $4.99 a month deal, I'll take some ads if that's the case, because that's a really good deal. You could even say the $9.99 a month is a fair deal as far as without ads. But again, the $4.99 a month deal with ads for Peacock and that entire library of stuff, or at least a great portion of it, that's truly an attractive buy right now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as you were sitting there talking, all I could think was, there's no Ted Lasso right now. I could cancel Apple TV. I could cancel Hulu right now because I'm not really watching anything on Hulu. I haven't watched anything on Hulu in six months. Gerald, I, I'm sorry. I, I totally got lost in what I could cancel there. And like, I'm starting to do the math. And all I can think is, I could afford this right now. I just need to start canceling some stuff. And I'm doing the calculations that every American probably should be doing right now, right? And like, that doesn't even count CBS All Access. I know a lot of people canceled that after Star Trek Discovery ended and after they finished The Stand. That's on know. my Amazon, and I've totally forgot about it. Yeah, so, yes, I need to go cancel CBS All Access. There's well. Discovery Plus, which just started. And I know there's CBS All Access is going to morph into Paramount Plus. So we'll see what Paramount Plus has to offer. It just is a continually big question that's out there and i know we're going to go ahead and keep trying to at least provide some answers for you so if you can follow us here at the pop culture cosmos we're even trying to answer the questions for ourselves on what you should keep and what should you let go each month when it comes to streaming what are your thoughts out there on peacock has your mind changed on peacock has your opinion changed on peacock based off of the office the wwe and nbc sports network all that content heading to Peacock. Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been an outstanding episode. Controversy was abound in pop yeah. culture this week. But before we end on out, any last thoughts on WandaVision or what you're watching, what you want to talk about? Any last thoughts on the way out? Yeah, two last thoughts on the way out. Just number one, wrap up from the previous story. I think the WWE fan base that, you know, had subscribed to their streaming service is winning here. You know, they're they're getting Peacock now at the same price, but they're getting God, triple, quadruple the content. So, hey, shout out to those folks. They subscribed early and they won. WandaVision, though, man, we're in color this week and things are going really well. And I'm kind of sitting here thinking... Hey, uh, maybe I was wrong about getting new viewers into the Marvel Cinematic Universe at this point, but maybe not. I think this week's episode is going to tell a lot, and I'm really looking forward to that coming out tomorrow. You know, if, if, I, if I get a little, uh, little interest, I might do a little live tweet as I watch the episode tomorrow. Well, there you go, my friend. I wanted to go ahead and tell you that I agree with you. Maybe audiences out there, casual audiences that didn't want to get into the Marvel Cinematic Universe until now, were kind of hesitant after what they saw from WandaVision, I would actually start them off now and then go ahead later on in a couple of weeks, show them the first three episodes and then start from here. This would have been a great starting point for people heading back into the MCU. I was having this discussion back and forth with my eldest daughter, Elowen, who hopefully will appear on a future episode talking WandaVision, maybe even as early as next Monday. But we were going back and forth how she stands by what Marvel's doing. I'm saying I like this better. 
where if they had just started it from here and then gone forward. But again, it's all about if you enjoy it. WandaVision certainly seems to be a hit with audiences. It certainly seems to be something that a lot of people are very interested in. You and I are now talking about it. It's starting to head for me and for you and for a lot of other people. It's starting to head in the right direction. Got to be glad with that. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate it, my friend, always for you being part of the show and being part of the PCC Multiverse as always. If you have any questions for us, at Castle FPV on the Instagram and the Twitter, Twitter. or also as well at Pop Culture Cosmo or Pop Culture Cosmos, wherever you get your podcasts. So for Marcus de la Garza, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different with the ESO Network Patreon. The cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO network. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the T Public store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO network your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.